This is Jamie Finn from Foster the Family, and this is The Real Mom Podcast. Hello there, moms. It's Jamie here. We are episode five now, and today I'm talking to my friend Amanda Creamer. Amanda is a foster mom, adoptive mom. She has four kids adopted, and she runs the gamut of everything you can be as a foster and adoptive mom. We have every continent. We have private adoption, open adoption. She adopted out of foster care. She has a teenager right now that she's in the process of adopting, and she is a gift. You are going to love to hear from her. So here's my chat with Amanda Creamer. Today, I'm talking to my friend, Amanda Creamer. Amanda is an adoptive mom, a foster mom. She's a friend of mine from all the way across the country in Montana, and she's so much fun. She has a great perspective, so I'm so excited for you to hear from her today. Hi, Amanda. Hey, Jamie. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. Good to be here. All right. So I always like to start off, tell us about your family. Okay. So I have five kiddos at our house right now, four we've adopted, one that we still are waiting to adopt in foster care. Um, We've adopted one from Ethiopia, one from China, um, a domestic adoption, and then we've adopted our baby out of foster care, and then we have a teenager in foster care right now that's legally free that we're waiting to adopt. You have like the full gamut. (laughs) I know. Every continent, every. (laughs) Our domestic adoption was also private. It was. Oh my gosh. That's kind of a a zinger sometimes, but yes. So you've done it all. Okay. So I didn't realize that you were in the process of adopting your teenager. Yes. So she, she's legally free. It just takes forever to adopt her. So that's how we got her as her social worker actually called us. Um, as a friend of mine and we were just talking and she said, I've just been looking for a family for a teenager. And I said, well, let me try it because we just did babies in foster care. So we're four months in. Okay. Yeah. When we, when I met you, I think you were like four days in. Yes. (laughs) We had just gotten her. Yeah. We had just gotten her and we're learning teenagers at that point. it, It definitely wasn't with the intent to adopt at first, was it? Well, she didn't want to be adopted. Okay. She was just looking for guardianship. All right. So talk to us about, I know that that's a typical thing that happens with teenagers often. What, um, tell us why that happens sometimes or what her reasoning was. Well, she just, um, she had been, I think for her, she had been placed in adoptive homes three times before us. Each time was told she was going to be adopted and then they backed out. So I think for her, it was almost like a defense mechanism um, of, I'm not gonna, I don't want to be adopted. I just need someone to take care of me until I age out. Um, and then within the first couple of weeks of talking to her and like, no, like we would love to be your family. Even if we don't adopt you, you have a place here forever. Um, everyone needs a place to come home to. It's not like I turn 18. I don't need my mom anymore. Dude, Um, I am 30. I don't even know how old I am. 33. And I still need my mom. But don't you feel like you need your mom more now than you did when you were a teenager? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, wait, how do I boil water? What do yes. I, is, this, is this kid sick enough for me to actually take him to the doctor? What does this mean? I use my mom all the time now. Yeah, imagine. I just, that for me is one of the most heartbreaking things. You can look at the statistics of teenagers and see 
homelessness and prostitution, all that, that yeah. is heartbreaking. And it is a tragedy. It's something that we need to address, but it's not just those statistics. It's the girl that's doing great. Who's 20 and is doing great, but still never had a family and still doesn't right. have a family. And that's just unimaginable to me. I mean, who comes to your, like when you have a baby, who right. is there for that piece and is answering all those questions for you. Um, and that's what we like. That's where we got to her heart on that. It's like, listen, no matter what, we're going to be that for you. Mm. You don't have to take our last name. It doesn't matter. Um, and so I think that's kind of what made her decide that she was open to adoption again. Um, and so now she's super pumped, very excited. Now tell me how fun. you got open to adoption, because I know that it wasn't in the original plan for you guys to take a teenager. So how did you so quickly go from, we're never going to take a teenager to, okay, we'll take a teenager to four months later, you're adopting. Well, I think that's just kind of been our story. So I knew when I was, I told my mom when I was eight that I was going to adopt babies and not birth babies. That was just part of my deal. And so when we started, it was, okay, I'm going to adopt a baby from Africa where the family's far away, a healthy baby that he'll just be mine and I won't have to do with anything else. Right. And then it moved to, okay, well, there's babies in here and it's okay that their family's a little bit closer. And we, that's when we adopted our daughter domestically um, and ended up with a more of an open adoption than we thought we were getting. But that really helps my brain with birth parents and mm. all what that actually means and what that looks like in real life. They're not what you think they are. Like when you hear it and the way they're portrayed a ton of times, you think open adoption, they're going to come back and take my kid. That's not what it is, right? So what and does your, we need to go back to teenagers eventually, but what does your open adoption look like? Well, my right there. Yeah. <laughs> so for Anna, our daughter, she, um, her mom and I have had contact on Facebook. That's where it is right now, just because of the choices she was making at the time weren't safe. And so last year she's from my hometown. So when I went home last summer, I actually had dinner with her and just started the process of like, okay, Anna asks about you all the time. She's one of those kids that just wants to know her birth mom. How can we facilitate that? And so we've started having a lot more contact on Facebook and we'll then end up going to meet her next time we're in the South. You will. Okay. And does Anna know that yeah. that's the plan? I mean, she needs to know her. She wants to know her. Yeah. She's so excited. She started her little box of things she wants to take and show her. And, um, but yeah, I think that's coming from then doing foster care, right? And you get to really be a part of these birth parents' lives and birth families and you see what they are and who they are and you love them. Um, and so that's really helped. That's been part of our transition for that piece is like, okay, God led us to this. It's not that, I mean, there's parts of it that can seem scary, but he'll equip us for it as we move through it. Um, I love that. And I, you said, you know, we've interacted with birth parents and then you love them. Now that I think is, and can be a true thing if it's something you're willing to pursue and fight for. Right. But not all foster parents are there. How did you get there? I mean, I'm in that same place now, but I had like a 180, like they're the enemy to, okay, now how can I love you and support you? What was that like I, for you? I got there selfishly. Okay. Because <laughs> I got this, our first foster, well, our second foster placement was a little baby from the hospital. And I knew we fell in love with him so hard. And I knew if he goes home, I need them to know they can trust me. 
because I want to know him. And so then it was intentional, like, I don't want to put them against me because I want them to know, hey, if we get him back and we need a babysitter, we need someone to take him for the weekend, I want them to know they can call me so I can stay in his life. Um, so we fought hard for that relationship. I always say that, uh, just that when you do unto others as you would have them do unto you, sometimes they do unto you the same way. Right. When you show I'm for you and I love you, they believe that. And often it encourages the relationship after. So I agree. I, I'm not sure why more foster parents don't see, not just, okay, this is for the parent, for the child, but I want to stay involved in this child's life. And so I need this parent to know that I'm for them. Well, and for, so that, that ended up being our Henry, our fourth, we ended up adopting him out of foster care. Um, and his parents, in the end, we're the ones that said, we want you to adopt him. We're going to sign him over. Mm-hmm. We know you love him. We know that we can't do it right now. We want you to have him. But it was really, it was really hard. His dad is not, he's done a lot of stuff. His dad was not, it was not, he was never safe. They never let us drop him off or pick him up when he was there. We had to be there before or after. Um, and my husband is uh, on pastoral staff at a church here in Montana that broadcasts out to prisons. And so his face is in the prisons all the time. And I'm like, you are never allowed to meet him. (laughs) Well, just, you know, like, we don't know what this is going to look like. So there were like, that made that relationship a lot harder. And like, how do we figure this part out? And we have a black child and a Chinese child in a tiny Montana town. So like, we had to keep parts of our life separate while still learning how to embrace that piece of it. Um, so it was, it was very interesting. Yeah. Okay. So you just said something else. Again, we are going to circle back to teenagers, (laughs) but you just said something else that I want to hit at. And that is just the reality of being a transracial family, first of all, just ever. But I, when I was in Montana, I got to know some of the girls and we were walking around and I said, I have not seen one black person at all anywhere. And so I, I used to have this mindset that um, people who were unwilling to adopt transracially, well, that meant you were racist and that was wrong and we're all God's people and all that. And the more I've gotten into this journey, the more I've started to understand the importance of heritage, the importance of role models that um, mirror them physically. And so what does that look like for you having a little Ethiopian child and a Chinese child in the whitest place I've ever been. Right. Well, we thankfully have been surrounded by other adoptive families that have kids that look like our kids. And so it's not so much that they look like people around them as that our family looks like people that we surround, like other families around us. So they see, okay, that Chinese kid has a white mom too. And we just, my family, my biological family is from the South. I don't know why I said biological. I'm not, you know, (laughs) my family's from the South. Yeah, okay. (laughs) So so when we go to the South, we make a huge point for Eli to always go to a black barber and to get to, you know, to go hang out with some of my friends that are black so that he gets those pieces. But here it's just not, there's no one here that we can put him into contact with that's an older black adopted or black person period. Yeah. Well, and we have had that similar experience and I'm so grateful for that. Adoption always looks different. Sometimes it's open, sometimes it's out of foster care, sometimes it's international, whatever. But 
anytime your children are surrounded by a community, you remember when you were kids and the insult was like, well, you're adopted. And that was like something mean you said to your siblings. And that being an insult now in the community I'm in is preposterous to me because it's so the norm of friends and everyone has these families that are fluid and kids are coming in and out. And so I think that's a great point is just that they may not have someone that physically looks like them, but families where this is the reality. Yeah. And it's really fun. Then when we go to a place that's not like Montana, like we go back to Atlanta and Eli's like, there's so many Africans here. (laughs) (laughs) And they're like, all I'm like, are you from Ethiopia? (laughs) No, we're just from here. We're just American. So it's always kind of embarrassing when that happens because I'm like, I'm so sorry. (laughs) Not everyone that's black is from Africa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's funny. All right. So now we're going to circle back. Let's talk more about what the past four months have been like for you. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Just say it all. Just tell us the the whole four months. It's, uh, you know, going from having babies and, Mm. and like, my oldest, when we took in start the teenager we have, is she was eight. And so your things that you deal with when it was an eight-year-old are 100% different than things you deal with with a 15-year-old. So it's been a learning curve for the, like, one part of it is like, okay, are you supposed to be on Snapchat that often? Like, is that normal teen behavior? <laughs> is it really normal for you to take that many selfies in a day? Like, what is going on? Like what is, what are normal technology rules? I love when your Instagram, when you were, you like took over and you were like Snapchatting all day, acting like a teenager. I was like, yep, she is in the thick of teenage parenting. Right. Well, it's like, those are the parts that I feel like for us that have been a kind of a challenge is like, can you wear that much makeup as a teenager? Is Snapchat okay? What are normal like just normal rules for teenagers. Just parenting a teenager. Okay. Yeah, do you like have how- friends who have teenagers? My friend, my, so my friend that has the oldest kiddo, he's 14, but he like a saint of a child, not like a normal teenager (laughs) who doesn't count. So it's been finding those moms that I'm like, okay, what does your teenage daughter do? Like, how do you, how do you navigate this? And then finding things like the circle and Verizon family base that have like saved our life. Because once you figure out the, once we figured out the phone, that was huge. Um, but then for her, I think my biggest thing for her that I've learned now with teenagers is the way she saw herself, um, because of everything that they get told being a teenager in foster care, um, you have PTSD, you have ODD, you have RAD, you have, you need to, you need to be in therapy every week and in CSCT every day. You're unadoptable. It's going to be really hard to find a family that's going to adopt you. Hmm. That kills their little soul. And so like for her, like our biggest thing is just telling her you are a normal teenager. A lot of the things you're doing are normal teenage things. You do have trauma that is adding to some of it, but God has a plan for that and he'll use that. And he wants to be there in that and just trying to help her see herself for who she is and not who she's been told that she is. That's awesome. And that's the reality of having the truth of God's word. That yeah. it's not just those things don't define you. I, there are so many variables in life, but this is what we know is true. What God yeah. says about you is more true than all of that. Right. And so for her, and she really is, she's a great teenager. She was her social worker's favorite. 
even though the social worker is supposed to say that, she told me, because she's my friend. <laughs> <laughs> and so she really is such a good kid. Um, and so it's just been really, it's been like navigating those pieces though. Like what is like high school and where do they go? And what do I need to be doing for as a high school mom? And because she's in a different, she's not in a regular high school. She's in like a, I don't know even what they call it. But some sort of like alternative trying yeah. to catch up. Yeah. Um, and so figuring those pieces out has been the biggest thing for her. Um, and just helping her see herself. Yeah. So one thing you said that I think pertains to everyone, whether you have a teenager or not, is finding the people in your life who may not have been in your close immediate circle who are parenting teenagers and picking their brains. And oh, yeah. I think, you know, for me, I didn't know any foster parents. And so there was one woman in my church who was like 50, single mom. I didn't know her really at all. And I just walked up and said, will you be friends with me? I need <laughs> you. And so I think no matter what it is, finding that person that you can talk to and that you can ask questions to. You're well, and putting yourself out there, right? Like you have to be willing to go and find the people yeah, that can great. help you with your kiddos and be willing to look like, okay, I don't know if you're going to like me or not, but I really need you. Yeah. Um, and it's been really helpful for me. I work, um, where I work, I have, it's like a foster care agency kind of place where we help and find and support foster families. And there's two girls that work with me that are former foster teenagers that have now grown up and you know, are now women in this community and that are amazing. And so talking to them about how, how they view themselves and just what they needed as teenagers has been super cool. And having them in the office right next to me is really helpful. Oh my gosh. I, so what were, I met one of them, right? One of them yeah. spoke at, what was her name again? Trisha Collins. Yeah. So Trisha, Trisha shared, she did like a breakout and I was scheduled to do one right after her. And I was literally in the bathroom, like snot dripping and thinking, what in the world do I have to say to these people that could ever come close to what she just said? It she's was incredible. Amazing. She is the reason, like, she's one of the reasons that made me think I could take this teenager. It was just hearing her. We were in a staff meeting um, after our conference that you and I did together. And she was talking about her story. Well, no, before your conference, because I already had heard of them. Um, to just talking about her story and how having a mom that loved her, um, and was willing, like she still, she said, I still did terrible things. I still did stuff that was awful. And, um, but knowing that she had that base and then seeing that in spite of all that she was as a teenager, God had this huge plan for her life and they're not too broken for God. That was huge for me when she said, I don't know how many years later it was, but decades later, she yeah. was able to tell this conservative Christian woman that, you know, let her get away with just terrible things and loved yes. her through it all, that she came back to her and said that she had found Jesus. And I was just bawling because I was thinking, how many children leave your home and you think, well, that case is hopeless. Well, they're never going to. And the fact that Jesus right. rescued her and she was able to go back and say, what you did for me, like prepared me for me to come to know Christ was huge for me to, yeah. as I release kids and I don't know what's going to happen. And I'm just sort of like, right. okay, God, they're in your hands. 
I kind of loved yeah. that she wasn't the one that led her to Christ and kind of like had this transformation. And now my life has changed that she was just the foster mom who loved her and kind of put up with it all. And then later, like decades later is when her life changed. Right. Well, and I think for us, like she showed me that God's put us in a place where we can be effective to that age group, even though I didn't think that was part of my calling. I thought I was just taking babies that, you know, teenagers were too scary um, because we have been surrounded with what my husband does at church. There's all these 20 to 30 year old single girls that are willing to pour into her and that take her into their small groups and are taking her to dinner and telling. So it's not just me telling her that God loves her. It's all these people telling her that God loves her. And so like she's serving on the, she's running production at one of our campuses now. Oh my gosh. I love it. It's great. And so she's seeing like, yeah, I've been told that I'm this, but look at what I really am. I'm interrupting my chat to make sure that you know about the real mom podcast landing page. You can find it at www.fosterthefamilyblog.com slash real mom podcast. There you'll find links to all the resources we talk about any books or fun things we discuss, recipes, that will be the best place for you to get the full Real Mom podcast experience. If you had like one thing that you could say to a family that is flirting with the idea of bringing a teenager into their home, what would it be? One thing? Well, okay. Or like 20, whatever. You know, I think um, the one thing that people told us that for the reason we wouldn't be suitable for a teenager and that we hear a lot is we have young kids in the house, right? You hear like, you shouldn't take teenagers if you have young kids. I think having my young kids has been so healing for her hmm. because they see her and they love her and they don't notice the weird quirky things she does that other teenagers are making fun of or are, you know, giving her crap about. They just see her and they love her and they want her to watch a movie with them and they want her in their life all the time. And so that's that unconditional love of little kids that I think is really healing sometimes. And what um, has it been like for them? They love it. They okay. love it. My oldest has struggled a little bit because he's used to being able to be the one that I leave in charge when I go take a shower or whatever. And he's like, wait, why is she in charge of me now? I've been in charge of myself before. Right. Um, but he loves her. She, and he is my one that doesn't give out love very easily. He was my first. And so I took attachment parenting a little too far with him <laughs> <laughs> and wore him in an ergo for, until he was like four. I mean, it was ridiculous. His legs <laughs> went down to my knees. He like needed physical therapy afterwards because he didn't know. Oh my know gosh, him. it was ridiculous. No one else was able to feed him. And so he like... <laughs> He only loves me and it, we're really working on it at this point because it's like, okay, Eli, other people are safe too. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love it. So, but he has, he loves her and she sees that like, okay, he's not out there giving hugs and kisses and snuggles to people, but he comes and gets it from me. And she had a really hard day at school one time when she came home and she said, I just need Eli. Where is he? Oh, I'm oh like, I know God. he's upstairs. So that would be my thing is if people are telling you that you're not, your family's not equipped for it and you feel like God's calling you to it, then you are. That's awesome. I, but it's hard. Yeah. And I think that what you just said, if you are called to it and sometimes God calls us to things that are hard and scary, but you both were on the same page. You both had peace yeah. about it, even though it was hard and scary. Yeah. 
um, Trisha Collins told me just to start praying that if she's supposed to come into our home, the doors fling open. If she's not, that they fling shut. And so that was our prayer for those two days that we <laughs> just, you know, discussed it. <laughs> My great. poor husband, he's so great. But I would say yes to everybody. So it's so nice to have someone like him that's like, no, wait, we have to think through this. Yeah, well, yeah. I have a husband who does that for me too, though we haven't even flirted with the idea of teenagers yet. I wonder, I'm thinking my daughter is such, she's the oldest, but she's also such a mama. It would be yeah. very traumatic for her to well, know. Well, you have to know your kids. Exactly. You know, you have to know your kids. And for Eli, it's something that I know when's going to break him. Yeah. It's just more of like, I want to be in charge, not her, you know, yeah. which is fine. He can figure that out. Yeah. And so we work around and try to give him things that he can be in charge of. Well, I love your example in that because there's something cool about, you know, like I do recruitment and training and stuff with the state and the people who raise their hands right away. And it's like, I was in care. And so I want to take in teenagers or I work in this and I want to take in teenagers. And that's really beautiful. But I, it builds my faith for how God can do things and change hearts. Yeah. And you fostered babies and that was all the right. plan was ever supposed to be. But God came in and turned the plan around and totally. now there's a little girl who is going to have a forever family because of that. Yeah. God is so good. Well, and she's so good for our family. Mm -hmm. Like it's the things she teaches us are amazing. Like she is the most resilient person I've ever met. Hmm. And I think that's so huge um, to be teaching our kids resiliency. Yeah. That's and so awesome. she, she really shows up. And I get a date night every week now because I have to <laughs> That's true. Extra little perk. You have a built-in Come on, self-care. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm going to take a teenager so I can focus on my self-care. <laughs> Said no one ever. Right? <laughs> That's funny. All right. So let's talk more about you now. Let's talk okay. about what you're doing, what you're eating, what you're reading, what you're watching, and what you're listening to. What okay. are you doing right now? What am I doing? So I, at work, am learning, I was telling you earlier, graphic design stuff. And it's been really fun to learn a whole new skill. Um, and like, okay, I'm not just a foster mom anymore. Like I'm learning things and I can still learn stuff. I can still do things that I didn't think I could do that are outside of children. Um, so that's been really fun. Well, and I like that it's like something within the work realm, something you sort of have to do, but that you're like, all right, I'm going to find like joy and purpose in this. Yes. I'm to own this. Well, and it's, I mean, it's just, it's a really cool, like, it's a way to be creative at work. Awesome. And sometimes like, you know, you lose that creative. Sometimes you have to put it aside when you have all these kids, right? Like you lose pieces of yourself. And so to be able to find pieces of myself again, has been really neat. Cool. Okay. So what are you eating? Um, I literally am the worst eater ever. So I don't, I'm not eating anything that I'm super proud of to talk about. <laughs> That's what um, I prefer to talk about. I don't like the conversations that are like, I'm on this new diet. I'm like, oh, how nice for you. No, like I'm eating like buffalo pretzel bites. Like what? Oh, <laughs> terrible no. things. Those are they're, good. They're really good. All right. Um, I'll put them in my shopping cart next time. And have you had, do you have Costco where you are? We do, but I'm not like a member. Oh, they have these dark chocolate caramel candies with sea salt on the top. Oh. I got them for Valentine's Day, and I'm trying to ration them for a while, but they're really good. 
Oh, See? I love that. Healthy, healthy things. Yeah. My daughter, the other day we were unloading the groceries and we had, do you have Trader Joe's? No. Oh, that's the best grocery store. I know. But they have really fun food. So they have these dark chocolate peanut butter cups and it is, you can't even compare it to Reese's. It's not even that. And so my four-year-old is helping me unload the groceries and she pulls them out and she goes, mommy, I found your breakfast. I'll go put it on your chair in your bedroom. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, they know. That, that is what I eat every morning for breakfast. They stay in my bedroom next to my- Jesus, chair. turn these into healthy calories, please. <laughs> okay. All what for your you kingdom, Lord. Yeah. <laughs> Are you a reader? I can't remember. Um, I used to be a reader. Now I am- I'm like a hit and miss reader. Okay. Uh, but I am reading right now. What? Just not as much as I used to. So I'm reading with our teenager. I keep wanting to say her name and that's like a privacy <laughs> issue. As I like stutter, that's what it is. It's not a yeah. stutter. It's trying not to say her name. Um, I'm reading a book called Swipe Right that our pastor Levi Lesko wrote. Um, and it's on sexual purity. So we're reading that together and it's really good to go through with her. And like, it's, it's amazing, but it's good for like all relationships because it talks about marriage too. And that sexual purity doesn't end when you get married, you still have to deal with that. Okay. Purity. So it's not like for young people pre-marriage. No, it's for everybody. It's so good. Oh, cool. I'm reading that one. Else? Oh, and anything, anything I can find, which is mostly blogs at this point about ADHD versus trauma. Oh, dude. I Come on, share what you're reading to me. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> No, hold on. I need to say something because it's a joke within my friends that I have kids who have experienced trauma, but my most challenging child is my biological <laughs> child. Who, the question of is it ADHD or trauma doesn't even exist. It's straight up ADHD. But he and Eli, I, every time you oh, talk yeah. to them, I'm like, that is my child, yeah. but white. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but white and blonde. And, and so Eli has a teacher this year that's a struggle. Uh, and so we're having to really figure out his other teachers have kind of helped him like, you know, maneuver it, but ADHD versus trauma, man, that's it. Yeah. That's a fun thing to have to think through. Oy. At least for me, I kind of know <laughs> what the answer is and it's like, nope, this is all you. <laughs> well, people keep saying if you medicate it, well, I don't know, but if you medicate a trauma kid with ADHD meds, it makes them even worse. So I'm like, okay, well, let's not do that. Mm. So all the natural stuff, anybody that's got any natural stuff, send it my way. What, are you doing anything natural? Uh, we're doing the essential oils. Okay. There's some blend that my sister-in-law gave me that I don't know what's in it. I just rub it on him. Is it helping? I don't know because it just, like, I don't know. Yeah. It's yeah, hard it's, to read. I can't tell if it's what's going on in his classroom exactly. that's making it worse, you know, or if it's him and I don't know. Yeah, no, exactly. It's really hard. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. I, I spend money on these things and I'm like, all right, we're going to, but it's so random. Some days are really good. Some days are off the wall and he but they're, without it, they're the same. Calm. Exactly. Yeah. It's too much stuff. Yeah. All right. What are you watching? A new rule. No one's allowed to say this is us. <laughs> oh, good. Cause well, obviously I'm watching that, Yeah. but my guilty pleasure that I watch is the bachelor. Oh, Amanda, you are so much better than that. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not, Jamie. I am having this conversation with people. 
I am a feminist. I know you are a feminist. How do you watch that and watch I'm not a feminist? A, the right kind of feminist, okay? The kind of feminist who all about my husband literally could not function when my husband was out of town this week. <laughs> I am the opposite. I'm like, who needs animals around here? Not me. Yeah. <laughs> like the firewood. No, I and I think the reason I love The Bachelor is because it makes my life feel so much more normal. Well, that's true. Like, I'm not that crazy. Look at that girl. Right, right. Fine. Well, I do love reality TV. I definitely, I'm convinced that any human being could watch any episode of a reality TV show and just be hooked right away. Right. But, like, I'm more of the survivor kind of style, less of the... <laughs> Multiple well, women their faces when they do the awkward kissing, side kissing, you know, like we keep that covered. But it's so good. It's oh. so good. Oh. We watch it all. Winter games, all of it. <laughs> we just and having a teenager that will watch it with me has made it worse. That's so funny. It's I, so bad. I like. I I'm a TV person though, so I watch a lot. But that's my favorite right now. I like TV too, but I don't watch like regular network shows usually. Mm. I love this like new brand of TV shows that are just like good quality stuff, but it's like an 80 hour long movie. <laughs> no, no, see, like I like like Criminal Minds, oh, no. all the Chicago shows. Amanda, you are better than this. <laughs> I know you are. <laughs> Listen, I try to live a really great life, but I just need a little bit of junk at night. Like, <laughs> What can I do to just completely shut down my brain? I don't want to think. Right. I don't want to worry about like, oh, is that what happened in Britain in 1940? I don't know. Yeah. Well, that's I, what I just want to be prepared in case a serial killer tries to get me. <laughs> so that's your light watching at night. Yes. Yes. No, that's what some people have said to me about This Is Us is like, this is our life. I live this. Why would I want to watch it? Like when I watch yeah. something I, and I'm like, okay, I hear that. I can hear it, but it's so good. It is so good. They like this week when they spoiler, I guess. Yeah, spoiler. Okay. Go. When they talk up when they show the birth mom for who she is, like mm. how she got there, I was like, come on, thank you. Exactly. You want people to see. And yeah. then like bravery at the end, and I can't wait for next week. Yeah, they do really you can tell that they talk to people who are really involved because it's not yeah. the like cookie cutter, let's gloss over like you see birth mom and you feel for her and you care about her, oh. but you're disappointed. And I'm like, yes, this is what it's like. And the oh, way they're wrestling. Yeah. They're it's really done. Well, I'm grateful for it. Me okay. I, I end up talking about this is us every single time. Even Sorry. Though. I tried to talk about the bachelor and you wouldn't let me. <laughs> All right. What are you listening to? Um, let me think. I am listening to fresh life worship on repeat, but um, yeah. Okay. So, so where can we find that? That's your church. That's my church. Yeah. There. It's on iTunes. It's everywhere. Okay. It's so good. Um, and I'm listening to, um, the new passion CD pretty regularly, but then also, so those are like my morning, like, okay, I'm ready for the day. And, but then by the time the afternoon hits and like, <laughs> I need something different, I'm listening to Justin Timberlake, Okay. his newest album. And my sweet daughter can sing filthy from start to finish. And it oh, makes me feel like a bad mom. Don't you love when that happens? I've and I'm had, like, oh. yeah, 
I've had that happen before. I'm like, I'm sorry, we're never allowed to listen to that song ever again. She <laughs> really driving other good songs too. She knows yeah. all kinds. She wants a God party this year for her birthday. She wants <laughs> she wants our worship team to come and sing, and then for our pastor to tell everybody about Jesus. So I'm you doing tell every person you meet that, and you'll just look like a really great mom. Yeah, guess what my daughter team for her party is this year. She wants a God party. But she can totally break it down to filthy. So there's balance in our life. I love Justin Timberlake. I was kicked out. Well, I wasn't kicked out. I was almost kicked out of a Justin Timberlake concert when I was a teenager because it was Come when on. it was when like laser pointers were all the rage. <laughs> and so I had a laser pointer that had like a filter that said, I love you. And I just really truly felt that if he could see this laser pointer. <laughs> <laughs> and know that I loved him, that something would happen. And his security came and they like tried to escort me out and then confiscated my keys. And see, was, you were a teenage, you were just a normal teenager. What do they expect my teenager to do? We don't make the choices at 15. Gosh, right. he was great when we were teenagers though. I, he's my favorite. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love him. All right. All right. That was good. I'm glad we hit everything. I'm glad we were serious for a little while and then we could... <laughs> talk about Justin Timberlake and The Bachelor. Hey, well-rounded. So you are uh, not a blogger or anything, but your mom that is living this. And I love your window into this life. So tell people where they can find you. So I have a personal Instagram and Facebook page. um, And it's just Amanda Creamer. Um, And if you want to follow me, I'd love it. Awesome. Yeah. Your family. I think it's Amanda underscore creamer on Instagram. All right. I'll put it up. Um, but yeah, your family is beautiful. And I love, like we said before, you just hit all the things from yeah. teenagers. If you want to see us pretending to be teenagers on Snapchat <laughs> yeah. or my daughter singing songs that are probably not appropriate for six-year-olds, <laughs> that's where you find it. But then all there's right. also things. <laughs> Well, I'll connect everyone to you there. Amanda, this was fun. I love hearing just all the different perspectives you have. Um, I'm really grateful for the time that you took to share with everyone. And I think this is really going to encourage people. So thanks for chatting. Hey, thanks, Jamie. It's been great. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Real Mom Podcast. You can follow us online, www.fosterthefamilyblog.com slash podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes. You can follow us on Facebook, www.facebook.com slash realmompodcast or on Instagram at at realmompodcast. Thanks for listening.